0: Welcome back to 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, alongside, as always, uh, by John Paulson. What's up, John?
1: Not much. How are you doing, Anthony? It's early August. Are you ready?
0: I know. I know, I know. The, the Hall of Fame, So we're recording on Friday. So the Hall of Fame game was already played last night. I, I just, it, honestly, it's still, it, I think this happens every year at the Hall of Fame game, but it, it really did sneak up on me. It's incredible how, how close we're, we're, we are to actual
1: football. I think you actually were used to last year when there was like no preseason, right? So you were um, snuck up on you. I I actually do not watch preseason games. I don't find them helpful. I will uh, occasionally like go look at a rookie or go look at a player uh, using the um, NFL's Game Pass uh, app or whatever it's called. But uh, I try not to watch the games themselves because it's kind of depressing, honestly. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, tough to, they're tough to watch, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and
0: I, I get it from a coach's standpoint, a player's standpoint, you want those reps, and you wanted those reps to evaluate if you're a coaching staff, but uh, for fans, yeah, not a lot of value. All right, we're going to talk a lot of tight ends today. We're going to discuss some of the, the news surrounding some fantasy football. We also want to remind you of some of our deals that, that we
1: have currently at 4 for 4 but before we do any of that, John, tell us about the music. Yeah, this is uh, a good band, a good band. They have they got a few albums out, but the the latest is really good. The Rise and Fall of Lover Boy by Sir Sly. The band's is Sir Sly. The name of the song is Citizen, and it actually features a great guitarist, uh, Gary Clark Jr., who has a whole solo career going too. Uh, one of the best guitarists going today. Uh, but we'll put it on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, and you can find the link for that in the show notes. Beautiful. All right. Today, again, we're going to discuss the latest Saquon Barkley news before tackling the final part of
0: our four-part series by doing a deep dive into the tight end position and ADP. But first, we have partnered with Underdog Fantasy to offer a free 4-for-4 Pro subscription. It's a $59 value. We've been telling you about this for the last month or so. And all you have to do is deposit $10 at Underdog as a new user. Not only that, Underdog will also give you a bonus of $25 in your account. And our partners at FFPC will give you a $35 credit for one of their leagues if you are a new FFPC user. For If you're a returning FFPC user and you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I get? I, I'm already a, a FFPC user. Well, you're gonna get ten, a $10 credit. It's important that you use the code four. That's the number four, F-O-R, number four. All of it is in, in caps to claim a free subscription. You can go to bit.ly backslash four for four deal if you want um, all the details on that and, and that four for four deal part it's all in caps or better yet just go to John's Twitter account at four for four underscore John he's got a pin tweet right there with that link so if you want to check out that offer you can do that there we've we've been telling you again over the last month or so to take advantage of this because we really have never had a deal quite like this we've also partnered with prize picks to offer a free DFS or betting subscription just for depositing twenty dollars to $35 as a new user at PrizePix. So if you'd rather get a DFS or a betting subscription, great, uh, or if you can't take advantage of the underdog offer that I just mentioned, then this deal might be just for you. So just go to bit.ly backslash prizepacks, all caps on that for all the details. And the DFS subscription, that, that DFS subscription. and it's the betting subscription that costs $179. So this is another great way to get a subscription for a huge discount. You'll also get that $35 coupon at FFPC if you're a new user. John, some of the the relevant fantasy news as of right now. Uh, Ian Rappaport on Saquon Barkley. Here's what Ian Rappaport says. No one is saying for sure that he's going to be on the field for week one. You'll probably see him for week one to week three, somewhere in that range. So probably by week three, Saquon Barkley should be on the field. This is a long-term play. No one, no one is going to rush Saquon on the field, nor should they, end quote, again from Ian Rappaport. Would you draft Saquon Barkley in the first
1: round, given this sort of timeline? I wouldn't, and I've... Been fading Barkley a little bit already prior to this news just because the offensive line for the Giants is pretty bad. Um, So it made me uncomfortable. They were already talking about they might limit his uh, workload, uh, especially at the start of the season. So you're not maybe not seeing the usual 20 to 25 touches per game that he would normally get or has gotten when he's been healthy. So that concerned me a little bit. And then now, you know, I was my assumption here is that you know he he injured his ACL um, early last year and that he would be ready to go for camp and I guess he's doing a lot of sprinting and running on the field so he's probably on, you know on the side um, but so he you know he might be out there week one but when you're talking about a first round pick I don't want to be playing the uh, I don't know if I'm going to have him for the first week or two game with a with a first round pick so. Um, And this, uh, granted, this bit me a little bit last year with uh, Alvin Kamara because he had that shot in his back, and uh, he went on to have a monster season in no small part thanks to the injury to Michael Thomas because his splits with Thomas out are just insane. Uh, But I overreacted to that uh, injury as well, so maybe I'm overreacting here, but I found that... uh, I don't like to, you know, racing towards week one. We're trying to get a guy healthy, at a, and it, you've already got, it's August 6th or 5th, and you've got a guy, a reporter, saying that you probably will see him by week three, uh, might see him by week one. That just makes me pretty nervous when you're talking about a first-round pick.
0: I hear you on that. I and, and I've got Saquon Barkley as one of my keepers, one of my, you know, very questionable keepers uh, in our league, John. So I'm kind of wrestling with what to do, but I think for a a keeper league, I'm just going to go ahead and and keep him and ride it out because when he does play, he's a dynamic player. But, you know, the last year plus now has been brutal when it comes to Saquon. So we'll see.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to start to slip into the early second round. and I'm I'm sure the upside there is going to uh, appeal to some people. And I I think, you know, you start getting into – you know, Najee Harris and Joe Mixon and some of these guys, you know, Antonio Gibson, you, people might decide that he's going to go ahead of, you know, he should go ahead of those guys. And right now I have Mixon and Gibson slightly ahead of Barkley in half PPR, and I got Harris just behind him. Uh, I just feel like, again, uh, if I don't know that he's going to be out there week one, I also have concerns about the offensive line and the offense in general. Um, I feel just feel better about Mixon and Gibson at this point. All right, let's move on. We'll
0: take a deep dive into our underdog tight end ADP. It's part of our four-part series, so if you haven't listened to the QB, running back, or wide receiver deep dives that we did over the last few weeks, make sure you go back and catch up on that. Again, 4 for So, John, in your draft day strategy strategy articles, your draft day strategy articles, you always talk about how tight end is one of the first positions you consider when putting together your drafts, your draft strategy. Why is that?
1: Well, like I, you know, when a few years ago I came to something of an epiphany when it came to my draft strategy, and I, I just identified uh, Delani Walker, if you remember back in the day, uh, yeah. coming over to Tennessee, and I just thought he was such a great value at tight end, so I just planned on drafting him, you know, at his ADP or around early, and then I picked out my quarterback situation. I think it was. Uh, Tom Brady had the angry Tom uh, theory going and uh, Carson Palmer was another option. And so I would typically draft uh, those three players. Um, Tom was suspended for the first four weeks and uh, it turned out that Carson ended up, or Tom didn't get suspended, ended up having a great, uh, or he was forget what, I forget if he played or didn't play, but he ended up having a great year. Carson Palmer ended up having a great year. So everything worked out. Um, And I just started to look at these onesie positions a little differently and trying to figure out where I wanted to draft my my onesie guys uh, every year. And then I would go into the other rounds and see which running backs and wide receivers uh, felt like the best values in each of those rounds and sort of cobble together a, a draft strategy that way. So it sort of changes year to year uh, based on the quarterback position and based on the tight end position, when I'm going to be drafting those guys. I mean, typically I'm drafting a quarterback later. Tight end could be early or late depending on when the value is to me. Um, but I typically uh, like to go tight end early because I think you get building that advantage with a Kelsey or a Waller or uh, one of these top elite tight ends, and uh, everybody else is scrambling, you know, running. <laughs> Cole Komet out there, or whoever, like they're trying right. to to match your production, and you've got basically the production of a wide receiver one in your tight end spot. Uh, I think that gives you gives you an advantage year in year out.
0: And then, John, what's what's your tight end strategy when when you when you really focus on this year? Because I know it's kind of year to year; it's kind of you know sometimes it's, it changes. But what what about this year?
1: Well, it seems like people are catching on a little bit to the early tight end strategy. I remember the the days when I would get. Antonio Gates like in the middle of the third round every year and he was the top tight end off the board and I just it was it was great. Um, But now we have Kelsey Travis Kelsey going, you know, number six overall, you've got uh, Darren Waller and uh, George Kittle going at the second third round, or early third round. So things have changed a little bit. It gets a little bit pricier to grab these guys. But, uh, you know, I'm targeting one of those three guys if I can. I don't always take Kelsey in the first because that's pretty expensive, but I do like Waller quite a bit in the, in the late second round, and you know Kittle in the early third round. That's nice value. And then if I miss out on that group, then I'm, I'm looking in for the one of the next three, which we're going to talk about uh, in a bit. Uh, and then if those, if I don't get a good value there, then I'm I, there's some guys later on that I might grab two uh, of a group and uh, hope that one hits, and that's that's worked out for me in the past as well.
0: Let's dig into the underdogs best ball ADP and discuss the tiers that are forming at the tight end position. Again, we've done this over the last couple of weeks now at other positions. It's it's worked out well, and it kind of formulates our discussion a little bit. So Travis, Travis Kelsey, and actually, now is it Travis Kels? Did you see that? Uh, Travis? No. Is it- yeah. Uh, so, so Travis Travis Kels. Apparently, he said that uh, people <laughs> people have been saying his name wrong. But you know, when he first got to Kansas City, he just people said it Kelsey, and he just stuck with it, which is really <laughs> weird because his brother. His brother's been in the league too and they you know we've called him Kelsey so I, I don't know I guess I'll just stick with Kelsey for you know um, for formatics but uh, John Travis Kelsey is going in the first round while Darren Waller, George Kittle are going near the the second to third round turn there. Uh, does this order make sense to you Kelsey, Waller, Kittle?
1: Yeah, and I don't know that I can switch at this point. I think I might <laughs> have to retire. It's going to be easier to retire than to, to remember to say Kels. I hear you. <laughs> Every time I'm looking at his name. That's crazy. I did not hear that. Um, anyway, he's, he has a right to say his name however he wants, but uh, I guess we do too. Um, I think Kelsey in the first round is is fine, and I uh, especially tied in premium leagues, he's, he's perfectly fine in the top four picks. Uh, you get into the middle of that first round, and if you're uncomfortable with the running, you know, the running backs that are remaining, perhaps uh, you're sitting at five or six, and you know, the top four running backs are off the board. For me, that's um, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, uh, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara. Depending on PPR versus half PPR, and you start getting into the Ezekiel Elliotts of the world, and you maybe you're feeling a little uncomfortable uh, with them, and you want to just get this. This guy who has been the number one tight end for five straight seasons, I think. I mean, there has not been a player to have this sort of positional dominance that I can remember for this stretch, this long of a stretch in fantasy. Um, And he's still rolling, and there's showing no signs of slowing down. So I think he's a fine pick in the middle of the first round. Um, I think that Darren Waller is maybe a little closer to him than the ADP would suggest, so I like to get him in the second round. Um, and then Kittle is just as good as Darren Waller, but always seems to have that injury pop up, uh, or at least has. I don't know that he's injury prone, but it just seems like he misses games here and there. Uh, and I do worry a little bit about that offense being you know, pretty run heavy and having Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel as other pass catching options. Now, the research I did showed that when the Kittle, Samuel, and Ayuk all played together. Uh, Kittle saw the vast majority of targets. It was pretty crazy. So I'm not really worried about his target share, but that is a a minor concern of mine. But I'd be happy to get Kittle in the early third or very late second round too. The next group is going in the
0: late fourth to early sixth round. That's Kyle Pitts out of Atlanta. And I'm I'm interested in your thoughts because it's Kyle Pitts and dot 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 he's a rookie. and rookie tight ends usually don't don't fare well. Uh, but with Kyle Pitts, he seems to be the the unicorn, if you will, of uh, mm-hmm. you know somebody that might that might go off as a rookie tight end. But he's going to pick 47, Mark Andrews at 60, TG Hawkinson at 62. Then there's a 30 plus pick gap to the next tight end. We've never seen a rookie tight end, like I said before, get drafted this high in regular redraft and best ball league. So what do you think of Pitts versus Andrew Andrews and Hawkinson? And you know, specifically do you think that would would Pitts make you reconsider your, your your rookie tight end approach?
1: I have a couple shares of Pitts um in some of my best balls, but I think my concern here is is it's not just the historical this is how tight ends you know rookie tight ends have fared But even if we treat Pitts – because, you know, rookie receivers come in and and take the league by storm all the time. I mean, it happens pretty frequently. Justin Jefferson did it last year, and there have been numerous examples. It's not the norm, but it happens. And if we're treating Pitts as a receiver instead of a tight end, then you can sort of get your head around the fact that he might have a, you know, 70-catch, 900-yard, 10-touchdown season or something like that, especially with Julio Jones leaving – uh, Atlanta and all those targets uh, being vacated. So there's definitely room for him in the offense. And they, they went out and drafted him extremely early. I think this is as early as the Titans ever gone, I believe, in the NFL draft. I remember somebody saying that. So um, this this might be a unicorn situation. Now, if he were going where Andrews and Hawkinson are going or you know, a little bit closer... Uh, yeah, I might take him there in the fifth round, but, you know, going pick 47, he might fall into the fifth round a bit. Um, I, I am just kind of, I'm just not completely sold on the situation, uh, and you know, his youth and the, 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 way that rookie tight ends in the past, even really highly touted ones have come into the league and struggled as rookies. I mean, we really have to go back to like Gronkowski, uh, for, and maybe Evan Ingram, um, as, as rookies that came in and, and posted a tight end one season and not, not, we're not even looking for just tight end one numbers. We're looking at, we're looking for the number four overall tight end numbers. So, um, the odds are against him, but maybe he's that guy that can, can break that mold. Um, and definitely if you're looking at Pitts, Andrews and Hawkinson, maybe that you know, Pitts has the most upside because, Of the situation and his athleticism and maybe this is that one time where it does work out for the rookie tight end Um, I think Andrews and Hawkinson Are going about where they should and I think in the fifth round they're they're good values Um, I Would favor Hawkinson I think a little bit over Andrews just due to you know Hawkinson being the The clear number one option in that uh, passing attack in Detroit Uh, All those receivers left uh, you know they brought in some low volume guys like Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perryman. Um, Amon Ross, Ape Brown is the the slot guy rookie who's you know likely to soak up some targets. But you know it's probably going to be a lot of Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift. And even if Hawkinson doesn't get to 10 touchdowns, I think he can have a you know top four season pretty easily. He was a, I think he was top five last year just in just in catches and yards. And I think he will be the primary look for Jared Goff in the red zone I think Andrews is Andrews is a great player as well Uh, I think he's the most productive uh, receiver in that Baltimore offense I think his role will probably stay relatively unchanged but they did bring in Rashad Bateman and Sammy Watkins and I don't if they don't if they don't increase their pass attempts pretty significantly then maybe his targets get pinched a little bit I mean I'm obviously worried about Marquise's Marquise Brown's Target's getting pinched more because he plays the same position as Bateman and, and Watkins, but uh, Andrews might be affected as well. But I think he's still going to a pretty good bet for uh, mid-range tight end one numbers. The next tier seems to be going in the ninth, tenth. You got Dallas Goddard at pick
0: number ninety-six. You got Tyler Higby at one hundred and one. You got Noah Fant at one hundred and seven. Logan Thomas at one hundred and nine. Robert Tunyon at at one seventeen. And Tunyon's ADP has risen eleven spots, John, in the last week thanks to his quarterback reporting to camp. Uh, I forget the quarterback's name in Green Bay, but <laughs> twelve. Yeah, 12. 12. Exactly. QB 12. Meanwhile, Goddard's ADP, John, has dropped seven spots. What do you think of this group?
1: Yeah, Goddard's ADP has dropped due to the uh, Zach Ertz reporting to camp. Uh, and there was a report that Ertz was over his issues with Philly, but then a report came out uh, later that said he's still unhappy with everything, did not get the contract that he wanted, and really nothing has changed, but he's at camp uh, practicing. And uh, Goddard is the interesting one here with a really a lot of upside if if Ertz is moved, or if Philly just decides that Goddard is a 90, 80, 90% snap share guy and uh, gets away from the sort of snap split that they were utilizing last year with, with Ertz healthy. Uh, Goddard has top five upside for sure, top three upside if Ertz is traded. Uh, so there's that. You know, if you do draft him and Ertz is still around, then you might be sitting there with a guy who's going to post you, you know, post for you low end tight end one numbers. And you might be trying to look for, you know, another option uh, as the season wears on because he's just not going to be as consistent as you are hoping. Um, Higby with Gerald Everett is gone is appealing. I mean, he had some really insane snaps or uh, snap shares and production. Uh, in those games that gerald everett missed over the last couple seasons like he had four straight 100 yard receiving games and that's just insane production for a tight end Uh, but last year he did disappoint relative to his adp so a lot of owners are off of him and don't want to deal with him again i think the one concern i mean that there's a lot of pluses here with everett gone matthew stafford in uh, this whole passing offense should rise and higby could benefit from that i think the one concern i have is all this buzz around jacob harris uh, and this converted wide receiver and how he's getting a lot of run with the, with the first team. And does he just turn into the next uh, Gerald Everett that's sort of a thorn in Higby's side? So that's my concern uh, with Higby at this point. Uh, Fant is just a phenomenal athlete, top ninety six percentile in all these different metrics over a Player Profiler. Uh, and he showed some flashes over his first two seasons for sure, had a good year last year. I think the concern there is Cortland Sutton is back. Uh, that's going to pinch fans targets probably. And they still have, you know, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So, um, not the best quarterback play that you're, you're looking for. Logan Thomas is getting a quarterback upgrade, uh, to, to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, uh, Curtis Samuel is in though at wide receiver two, So that might infringe on him a little bit, but I think Logan Thomas is a pretty safe pick. He's older, uh, 29, uh, feels a little, if you get, if you remember Gary Barnage for yeah. the, uh, for the Browns, he had a breakout season at thirty. Uh, he actually had a pretty good year, thirty-one, but he didn't have as good a year as he did at thirty. Uh, but Logan Thomas, I think, is still a big part of this passing attack and should be a solid uh, player. Especially when you're getting him at pick one hundred nine, I think that's that's pretty solid. And I'm trying to scoop up some more shares of Tunyon. I think the concern with him that the fantasy community has is that he's so tight end or touchdown dependent. He had eleven touchdowns last year. Tight uh, Travis Kelse. <laughs> for the lead, uh, I, I can't do it. Uh, tried, uh, tied Kelsey at uh, with 11 touchdowns, and he he is a low volume guy. His targets were not there, uh, but I think as an ascending player in that offense, he's you know he's got really good hands, and so I think even if he does get fewer targets than some of these other guys, he could be more efficient. But you know, as an ascending, young ascending player, uh, took over the starting role for the first time last year. That he's going to be a bigger part of this offense this year, and, and maybe some more catches and some more yards will offset a, a drop in touchdowns. But I'm not even sure there's going to be a drop in touchdowns because I'm really high on Aaron Rodgers having you know pushing for over 40, 45 touchdowns again. And I think uh, Tunnyan's got a great chance at, at 10. So um, I think, given his ADP, he's the best value of this group.
0: Moving on to the 11th to 13th rounds, the next tier consists of Mike Gusecki at 131. You've got Adam Troutman at 133. You've got Irv Smith at 135. Gerald, Gerald Everett at 145. I'm sorry, uh, Irv Smith was at 135. Gerald Everett is at 145. Evan Ingram at 146 and Johnu Smith at 151. Troutman, Irv Smith, and Everett. Gerald Everett look like breakout candidates. So it's interesting to see them going ahead of more established tight ends like Evan Ingram, and boy, the the star has fallen there for Evan Ingram from a fantasy standpoint, and and also Rob Gronkowski, but Rob Gronkowski doesn't, you know, he didn't catch a lot of passes last year during the regular season. Who stands out to you in this group?
1: Yeah, I look at this group, I'm like, why is Gusecki going with these guys? Like, I, I would think Mike Gusecki would go up there with Noah Fant, uh, Logan Thomas area, Gusecki outscored Noah Fant last year. He scored about the same as as uh, Tom Logan Thomas did in in one less game, uh, and you know s- situations are fairly similar. People talk about Noah Fant's athleticism. I just talked about it, but Gusecki is about as good an athlete, if not better. He's bigger. He's six foot six. Fant six foot four. So the catch radius is bigger. Um, they use him in the slot a lot, and maybe that's the concern is that they bring in Jalen Waddle and and, you know, Will Fuller and you know Devontae Parker still there. That he's going to get uh, pinched on his targets, and that's certainly a possibility. But I mean, the same thing's happening to Fant with Cortland Sutton back. Um, a little more bullish about uh, Tua Tungavailola Nailed I I it. That, nice. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It took me. A, I have to take a pause to think about <laughs> it um, But I think I think Gasicki should be going. Uh, you know, earlier or in the in the tier above at least. So he's the one that jumps out. I do like uh, Adam Troutman. Uh, Irv Smith and Gerald Everett as breakout candidates. I'm probably higher on Troutman and Irv Smith just because Seattle has shown that they will split up that tight end job you know, and get Will Disley involved, even though they had Greg Olson last year, who's a superior catcher, pass catcher. Um, but Everett is intriguing because he's coming over uh, with the new offensive coordinator uh, for the Seahawks who came over from the Rams. He was the passing game Coordinator uh, for the Rams. So obviously, they made Everett a priority for a reason. So it probably uh, points to a good season for him. Uh, obviously, the third uh, at best uh, target in that passing game behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, Troutman coming in, you know, no Michael Thomas right now. Uh, Jared Cook is gone. Troutman did very well in his limited role last year. Uh, so, I, you know, I think he's a breakout candidate. Irv Smith. Uh, junior also a breakout candidate uh, despite what mike zimmer says uh, zimmer threw some cold water on irv smith's role but then the offensive coordinator there came out and said that smith's gonna have a bigger role so right. i'm pretty confident with with kyle rudolph gone that smith will 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 turn in low-end fantasy tight end one numbers. so these guys are all a threat for that yeah um, and these these are the type of guys that Uh, I might grab, if I, if I miss out completely on the position, I might grab two of these, uh, to, to see if one hits. Or if I, if I end up with one of these guys from the second tier or the third tier that I was talking about, Goddard, Higby, Fant, Logan, Thomas, Tunyon, I might draft one of these, uh the breakout guys as well to give myself a little bit of, uh, of an out if uh, if the guy I draft doesn't uh, perform up to expectations. All right,
0: now in the 14th, 16th rounds, Rob Gronkowski, Anthony Furksker, Hunter Henry, who also signed with the Patriots with John Smith, Jared Cook, Cole Kmet, Blake Jarwin, Austin Hooper, they're all going off the board again in the in the rounds 14 through 16. This is a mix of vets and a few breakout candidates, John.
1: Yeah, and Gronkowski is still Rob Gronkowski, although O.J. Howard outscored him in the first four games last year when O.J. Howard was healthy, so that's something to keep in mind. Furkser was going to be a great breakout candidate uh, until the uh, signing or the trade of uh, trade four, Julio Jones. Uh, now you wonder what his role is as maybe the third option in that passing game, which is, you know, they're run heavy over there in Tennessee. There have been. Um, John New Smith and Hunter Henry are hard to peg in terms of how this is all going to shake out. They signed John New Smith first in free agency. Uh, he's the better athlete, but Hunter Henry has, you know, a much better receiving resume. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how this New England offense um, grows over the season and how they, how much more pass heavy they are when you know after adding Nelson Aguilar and uh, Kendrick Bourne as well as, as pass catchers along with these two tight ends. I uh, just don't know which one of these guys is going to stand out. Uh, they were so run heavy last year with Cam Newton under center. I think Jerry Cook is a good value. He's always, uh, you know, outperforms his ADP or typically does. Uh, he had tight end one numbers when Drew Brees was healthy last year. Uh, he's joining a good offense that lost Hunter Henry uh, with, with Justin Herbert at quarterback. So he's a, you know, you could grab him with one of these breakout guys if you want to kind of punt the position and you're probably going to get uh, high end tight end two type numbers with Cook if he stays healthy. Uh, Cole Komet, I'd be higher on if Jimmy Graham weren't there. Jimmy Graham soaks up goal line targets and that's, you know, red zone targets and that's, you know, a tight end's bread and butter. It should be anyway. And if Jimmy Graham is getting his uh, red zone targets, then Kmet's not going to be able to, to post tight end one numbers, but he does have upside if, you know, for some reason they. Uh, cut Graham or Graham gets injured, Uh, Komet certainly has tight end one upside. Uh, Blake Jarwin was one of my favorite breakouts candidates last year. Then he tore his ACL uh, early in the season uh, camp. And uh, Dalton Schultz ended up having the year that I thought Jarwin would have. And apparently Schultz is going to stay involved. So that's that's, um, a little troublesome if you're hoping for a Blake Jarwin season uh, breakout. Um, And Austin Hooper, I think, is just sort of this low-end... You know he's a guy that's out there 78% of the time, but he's in a run heavy offense playing behind Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham for, for catches uh, in terms of targets. So he's going to have the occasional touchdown, but not much else.
0: The last group that we want to talk about consists of Eric Ebron, Zach Ertz, Dawson Knox, AJ Howard, Hayden Hurst, Dalton Schultz, Mo Alley Cox, and Dan Arnold. And these guys, John. They're going in rounds 17 through 18 based on ADP. At this, at this point, we're kind of looking, looking for you know, either tight end twos if you, if you draft a, t- a second tight end, or, or certainly some sort of value. Maybe you missed out on you know, the, the position early on because of the way that your draft broke. So when you, when you think about this group, again, Ebron Ertz, Knox, Howard Hurst, Schultz, Mo cox
1: and Dan Arnold, who really stands out to you here? Well, no one, no one really stands out. <laughs> uh, I, th- I think we're talking... A bad way to put know, that. Yeah, we're mainly talking uh, you know, best ball situations here. Maybe you are drafting a third tight end, or maybe you drafted Travis uh, Kelsey, and I uh, want to add a just a backup tight end to cover you through his bye week or something. Uh, I don't think in a regular redraft you're going to want to be targeting any of these guys. The only guy that sort of jumps out to me... Um, from a redraft standpoint, I guess, is is O.J. Howard. You called him A.J. Howard, so I can tell you're still in preseason form. <laughs> um, but uh, O.J., like, he did produce well. It wasn't great, but he did well. He was doing better than Gronkowski in the first four weeks of the season. Tom Brady was looking his way. Uh, he does have talent, so now that he's back, you know, I wonder if Gronk maybe takes a backseat to him or if there's a Gronk injury because he's older. Uh, maybe Howard can turn into something. Uh, Zach Ertz is still Zach Ertz, but he's been like, his last season was not very efficient from his target standpoint. He's just lost some, lost a step or something because the, the the fantasy production was not there based on his targets. Uh, Ebron is still the starter in Pittsburgh, but you know fourth option in that passing game. They drafted uh, a rookie that might eat into his snaps, um, and then a couple of situations you brought up and it's Mo Cox and Dan Arnold. Um, Ali Cox playing for the Colts who still have Jack Doyle. They uh, drafted a rookie, uh, Granson. I think it's Kellen Granson. Um, Vamping as I pull up the depth chart here. Uh, Kylan Granson uh, apparently is supposed to be a a spitting image of Trey Burton. Um, And, you know, the beat writers have been raving about him. So I wonder if he ends up being the best receiving tight end in this group. I think Allie Cox has been really efficient when he is gotten good run and targets uh so he was kind of my stab in the dark with the with the colts um tight end situation but now Grantson seems like he's moving ahead of him uh and dan arnold for uh carolina you gotta you know give him some props he came from uw platteville uh i think he's a former receiver my you know my alma mater uw platteville um and uh they they signed him in free agency. Uh, he's got Ian Thomas he's dealing with, but apparently Dan Arnold looking pretty good in camp, and he's going to be a factor in the red zone, according to one beat writer report that I saw. So he might be a, a touchdown-type guy, and he's got some good physical ability for the position. So, um, you know, stab in the dark, uh, last-round-type guy, uh, he's, he's, he's up there too. All right, do you have any sleepers, any, like,
0: deep sleepers at the position? And by the way, I, you know, O.J. Howard, I maybe you didn't see it, John. He's going by A.J. now so <laughs>
1: <laughs> just like Travis Kelce exactly yeah uh do you have any deep sleepers at this position deep I mean we, we you know Dan Arnold is probably one of my deep sleepers Kylan Granson is probably a deep sleeper Molly Cox you know one of those two probably ends up producing something I'm um, just looking at my ranks right now CJ Uzuma did get some work early last year I think he tore his ACL though but I think he's back um Chris Herndon has fallen down the uh, Jets' depth chart a bit, and apparently Tyler Croft is the tight end one in, uh, for the Jets. So you know if you got if you want a guy that's getting like eighty percent of the snaps, maybe somebody like that uh, would would fit in there. Um, you know the Giants signed Kyle Rudolph to a deal. I don't know how much he's going to play, or but he might catch some touchdowns. And then you get I mean you can't you can't not talk about when you're talking about tight ends you can't not talk about Tim Tebow, right? Of course. I saw some some footage of him, and he looks different. Um, He's pretty jacked, it looks like. Uh, I just saw him run an out route, probably the same video everybody else saw. Uh, But, you know, they've been looking for a good tight end there. they they got James O'Shaughnessy as the leading guy coming back. You know, maybe Tim Tebow turns into something with uh, Tyler Lawrence throwing the ball there in Jacksonville. Yeah, Maybe.
0: <laughs> no, it's it's kind of funny. I, I I do a radio show here in St. Louis, and uh, I've I have a bet right now with my co-host that says he's still on the roster week 17 because they're convinced like he won't even make he won't even make the team or he'll get he'll get caught. I think he I think he's on the roster the entire time, and you know he's going to catch a touchdown or two, or he's going to throw one. There's no there's no way in hell that he's not going to come in on certain goal line packages and do his little jump throw like he used to do at Florida. You can't convince me otherwise. So
1: uh, yeah, and, and you like this whole this whole thing has made me wonder because I remember, you know, back when he was a quarterback and they wanted to you know it kind of flamed out there with Denver and the Jets, that they wanted like there were some people that wanted to convert him to tight end and he didn't want to do it. Right. And he was 26 at that point or twenty seven. Now he's 33 trying to do it, and you wonder like what kind of career could he have had if he had tried to convert when he was you know younger and more athletic. He still looked pretty good in the outer route that I saw, but you know at 33 you're coming in and expecting him to produce or play big snaps for you if you're Urban Meyer. I think maybe you're putting the cart before the horse, but who knows? I mean, I just wonder what if you go back in time and you show him footage of him playing tight end at, in camp right. in uh, 2021. Like, does he, does this change the course of his career at all earlier in his, in his, sure. in his career? Because it was 200, it was 2012 that he made his last uh, appearance for the Jets. Well, I mean, you, you think, you think about the career
0: path of, uh, you know, somebody like, I mean, this is, this isn't a, this isn't a, uh, an exact comparison, right? But like, you think about, it, the tight ends that came from college, Tony, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates are the, the best comparisons, right? But guys that didn't necessarily understand the position coming in, but were just athletic marvels or athletic freaks. Now, Tim Tebow is not five like Tony Gonzalez was, but still, you know, the, the point remains. Or better yet, you know, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was a guy that just jack of all trades. He has been for the Saints. Now he's going to get his opportunity to, to battle with Jameis Winston during the training camp and potentially become the quarterback for the Saints. So it's just to your original point about you go back and you wonder what Tim Tebow – could have been in this league if he had just transferred to a different position. I think he would. We'd be looking at a a veteran that carved out a pretty nice career for himself. You know, that was the that was one of the best quarter. That was one of the best college football players I'd ever seen. Not not best quarterback, but the best player. Uh, one of the best college football players I've ever seen. Right? He would have had yeah, a nice think,
1: pro career. Yeah, and I think he was smart enough to. Would be able, smart enough to figure out the position and maybe be pretty savvy 100%. as an and all that. Yeah. yeah, the other, the other um, deep sleeper. I mentioned him earlier, Jacob Harris for the Rams. I think he's uh, interesting. Uh, apparently, very athletic, and you know, you have confidence in Sean McVay getting him involved. And if there's any sort of injury to Tyler Higbee, then he could be become a. A full-time player and that would be pretty impressive in that offense for sure all right that'll do it that will wrap it up for this week don't forget
0: to take advantage of that promo we have going on right now with underdog lock in your pro subscription at four. For 4. the link to it bit.ly backslash four 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 deal if you want a dfs or betting subscription then hit bit.ly backslash prize picks for all the details and if you want to check out John's Twitter page, he's got the details for you right there as well, at four, for four underscore John. If you want to follow me, at Anthony Stalter, if you're so inclined. So for John Paulson, I am Anthony Stalter. It's the Most Accurate Podcast, we'll be back next week. We'll see you.